0: Gyro Nation Metal.
1: Welcome Let's back to go. Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Christoph Spidel is a man who needs no introduction, but the Lord of the Logos has joined me today to speak more about his story and some upcoming projects. Christoph is well-known for his work in the metal community, including the logos done for Emperor, Aborted, Abigail Williams, Borknagar, and a few of my previous guests. During his career, Christoph has completed over 10,000 logos for metal bands. Christophe's work is currently being featured at Devon Open Studios at the Tavistock Wharf in Devon, UK from September 10th to 25th. He's made a huge impact in the metal world, and I'm excited to chat with him today. Christophe, thank you for joining me today and taking time sure. out of your busy schedule.
0: Right, my busy schedule is at the moment, I'm working on a couple of logos, and this is uh, going to be a rolling on um, assignment, it is to work on different types of logos for gyro Nation. While I'm talking with you, I'm actually doing some sketches. Uh, Then I'm working on a couple of logos for larger companies, but because of the non-disclosure agreement, I'm not allowed to say a word about them. Once they're going to be publishing and they're going to ask me to share the link, then uh, I will be gladly... Um, sending links and want it to be aired properly. Okay. But as the project is uh, happening along, unfortunately, I have to keep that complete silence. There are also some black metal bands I'm working with. And because they paid some extra money, they also don't want me to divulgate anything about them. So there are some bands with a non-disclosure request for the reason that, that they're going to release um, their music on limited platforms, and they want to make it exclusive. So they don't want to reveal anywhere the logo online because okay. they want to release a series of limited collectible merchandise and um, limited uh, releases, could be cassette, vinyl, CD or a DVD, like in the good old times. And they also have requested me not to mention their names, nor even uh, showcasing their logo anywhere before they make an official post.
1: Do you have a timeline that you can talk about? Like, is, is somebody releasing September, October? Just so that uh, we can keep an eye out for it.
0: Yes. Uh, some of them are actually aiming to release uh, for the fall. So okay. let's say anytime from September to October, as the, post, the podcast will be moving on, I will be sending you the links once, they've been approved and ready to be showcased.
1: Awesome, thank you very much, I appreciate it.
0: Uh, I have worked in the past with some interesting bands. Um, there is, there's a few Canadian bands I've enjoyed, was um, especially in the Vancouver area, uh, it was uh, um Cafirun. Okay. Um uh, there was um Mekda, um Ar- Anarcheon yep. that's from around Vancouver. Um Anunnaki, quite a few um kind of local uh local bands from around Vancouver and also from around uh Toronto. The latest logo I did is for a collectible company called the Mighty's Prog Collectibles from Toronto. Oh cool. That's so for Canadian shops and everything guy. too. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they are the few And if I have to say some of my favorite Canadian bands, I would say Sacrifice, uh, Razor, uh, Exciter, and most importantly, Infernal Majesty. Okay. On top of that, I would also add Revenge, uh, Blasphemy, uh, Armoros. Uh, to mention a few bands from the Premier League. Uh, Armoros is a band that should have been in the Premier League, but unfortunately they didn't. Same with a band called Oblivion from Quebec, or Yogsothos, which remain kind of unknown, lesser known bands. Uh, Frozen Shadows from Quebec as well is a band I would love to have worked with. Uh, Sortilégia. also from Canada, so there is there are some really great uh, bands and labels that I truly enjoy. Do you did you hear me well or did the voice
1: got distorted? No, you're you, you sound perfect from my end. Okay.
0: That sounds good. Um, I don't know what else I could uh, uh, say. Uh, There was a few radios, one called The Roundhouse uh, in Vancouver that I've offered them a logo. I've been doing some uh, works as well for Kevin Eisenlord for his photography. So there have been a lot of different um, non-bands, if you see uh, what I mean. Um,
1: When did you start moving away, from not away from bands, but when did you start including other types of logos? um, I would say already in 2014,
0: I started um, having fun doing a metal version of uh, logos for things that are speaking to me. Like, I would say, um, X Factor, for example. I just had fun. And um, Nightline in 2013, when people started kind of um, boosting me, with this kind, but the real kick through was with the Rihanna logo in 2016.
1: Because that was she, the, she commissioned you to do some, do the logo for uh, merchandise, am I right?
0: Uh, yes, but it ended up just being a logo for a backdrop.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, uh,
0: however, I would like to say that the logo went anyway. On merchandise Mm. which were not official so bootleg merchandise Mm -hmm. they were actually limited Rihanna shirts for the team but that was not commissioned by Rihanna herself it was uh, commissioned by William Perron in 2016 and it was in a very uncanny and very peculiar way it all happens because in 2016 i was uh, returning from black in vancouver that was an exhibition um, at the Kitsilano uh, weed dispenser and it was a two-week exhibition in a weed dispenser so they were mostly reggae public. That was also a stimulating factor to have uh, this kind of non-metal approach on my logos. Because it even happening out of the blues that I drew a logo for Alpha Blondie. Okay. So I got some interest from reggae people
1: Mm
0: -hmm. but they didn't really pick it up. That was not really their atmosphere. Their atmosphere would be more Art Nouveau and green, yellow, red. You know, the typical Mm -hmm. Jamaican. So a completely different world. And usually um, people from Jamaica or any of the West Indies. That kind of universe. Um, The logo of Rihanna uh, started when I was exhibiting at the Blackheart in 30th of June. And I did a one-night exhibition there. And that was also the opportunity to have a sort of presentation of artwork and a one-night exhibition at the Blackheart in Camden, in London were a very specific hub for all kind of, even New Romantics or uh, New Waves or um, um, Motown or um, Garage Rods or Mods, um, Rockers. They were basically having events in Camden so Camden was a real hub for all the alternative music scene, the non-mainstream ones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, the uh, ones that oh, that grew uh, when the disco movement collapsed. They were already present, but they really grew when the whole uh, uh, disco movement collapsed. It's like people were tired of seeing people or people get uh, scruffy, ugly, and uh, mean. That's the whole uh, uh, motto of the disco is dead or death to disco back in 78, and that's as well all the movements like punk started bursting out. Not only punk, but also all the subsequent the subgenres which were generated with punk, like I would say New Romantic, um, Dark Waves, Gothic, After Punk, uh, Electro, EBM, um, you know, with all those countless bands around, David Bowie, Spando Ballet, All that alternative scene that literally poured uh, out in places like Soho for David Bowie or George Michael or uh, Crowley for The Cure. Uh, It was uh, a little bit of a fed up feeling for all this disco music that is finally, you've heard it one, you've heard them all. We needed some diversity, we needed something deeper than just going on Saturday to impress the ladies.
1: So when did you start getting into heavier music? Uh,
0: I got myself in um, 77, 78 when KISS released Dynasty. That's really, I was seven years old. I was actually a kid, and my parents were frightened. They just said that I'm possessed by the devil. (laughs) Both. Because they've been very conservative.
1: And then you moved into metal a short little while later. Um...
0: Gradually, gradually, but really 86 It's a sort of confirmation that metal is where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And that's where I picked up heavier bands like Merciful Fate, Possessed, Celtic Frost. Um, But still keep an eye on ethno and traditional music. Or uh, atmosphere music, like I would say Jean-Michel Jarre which was the very popular alternative because you can't be only listening to metal. You also need to listen to ethno, ambient uh, and any kind of music that shapes. You can't be uh, always uh, immersed with uh, brutal sonorities. You sometimes need uh, your moment of tenderness. You need that uh, special moment to treat your ears with uh, something more um, uh, more welcoming, uh, more um, soulful, if you see mm. what I'm trying to say.
1: Oh, definitely. Sometimes I need to take a break just because it's a, it's a lot of brutality or a lot of intensity. Yes.
0: I just don't understand some people, some music fans, they got a huge collection. Thousands and thousands of albums of all this brutal, screaming, guttural death metal bands. Most of their logos are very great, but all done on the computer. So this is a sort of hidden market. All those bands that goes in the footsteps of Suffocation, Dying Fetus, Prodigal um realms of engorgement uh you know brutal slamming guttural death metal and that's really formed a whole a whole community where you've got literally hundreds and hundreds of bands and hundreds and hundreds logo designer doing all this kind of brutal slamming guttural death metal and it's a very repetitive uh scene it doesn't you know if you've heard one band and then you heard you hear the same in like hundred other bands it's very repetitive it's almost uh like one is a clone of another
1: are there any scenes or styles of metal that you think are are quite vast and have a lot of um I guess differences between each other?
0: Yes, I would say classic heavy metal. Um I would say gothic, uh, new wave uh, from the 80s, you know the scene which are, or ethno, you know, ethno with metal, with uh, rock, so any kind of um, music style where they're not afraid of exploring and merging with other influences Mm. so drawing their inspiration from a variety of music style people who are never afraid to learn to discover uh to explore and to think out of the box to explore then then you can definitely um see a huge potential and there is another function which is invertedly proportional it's actually where the scene is rare you know where you've got very few bands uh where you've got lots of space to thrive Mm -hmm. Uh, this is also an amazing opportunity for them to explore and to expand their diversity. While the brutal slamming death metal, you could see a very, very thick thicket. Like all the trees are being the same and very close to each other. So there is no biodiversity. There is like no space to breathe just because there are so many bands, so many artists, so many and they are very underground. They usually will appear when you start in brutal slamming guttural death metal and a lot of time on, on the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, they sometimes do gigs and they would appear on um, sort of neat festival. Uh, you know, this kind of brutal grinding uh, death metal festival or sometimes some more diversified festival with a uh, bulk of death metal. Like I would say one festival I really like and go often to is the SWR festival in uh, Portugal. Okay, That's a very old school death metal festival as a core consistence. But it also had a lot of um, surprising bands like I would say Cobalt or um, uh, Enlighten which to mention the Portuguese bands or um, the, I mean, a circle, this kind of bands that really stands out. And with a scene which is not overcrowded, it's a lot easier to find bands that really stands out. You know, when you listen, ah, it's innovative. Oh, I haven't listened that. Let's take the example of a Lithuanian band called Pergale, which is very, very little known. Uh, some festival of high interest, I would say, would be the Castle Party in Bolkov, the one I've just been there with an exhibition, mm-hmm. uh, or the Kilkizaibu in Lithuania. Um, they are the kind of festivals where you've got conferences, we've got the opportunity to learn, uh, to discover or um, like the Intramuros in uh, Leiria in Portugal, which has a lot of interesting uh, bands and also folk bands. Let's say a bands like Sangre de Muerdago from the northwest of Spain. Or if you want a festival of really great outstandingness, let's go to the Amplifest, which actually happens in um, Portugal, but also you've got one in London, or like the Desert Fest. Uh, The Desert Fest is also a festival with multiple locations, like London, Antwerp, Ghent, Berlin, um, Warsaw in Poland, um, Italy. I would say Milan, more than likely. So the Desert Fest is a festival with a lot of alternative bands. Now, it will be Wolves in the Throne Room, for example, that uh, you could um, really enjoy, as well as Belzebong, that I was just listening right now, which is a stoner, doom black uh, metal band, a bit alongside the vein of Burning Witch or Weed Eater. I had the chance to see We live uh, on two two instances. It was one show at the Goodrington Beach that was an open-air impromptu uh, on a bandstand. That was totally impromptu. It just caused a massive stir. And then the one in Plymouth, We Dieter in Plymouth, where they went completely wild love that band way deeper all that stoner scene is amazing it's just so heavy that's why i've been working on a specific gyro nation metal which is gonna be a very stoner logo for really right in the vein of electric wizard
1: oh cool awesome i'm excited speaking of your work with devin coming up devin open studios how did you get yes. involved with them for the first time i think this is your fourth uh, the time first going, time?
0: Right? I've been visiting studios. So basically,
1: mm. the Devon
0: Open Studios is an event mm-hmm. of De- Devon-based artists. This year, we're more than likely to have 300 venues across Devon. Wow. So people who go to visit the UK and they visit Devon, they can catch up with a few studios around. Last year, I was at the Exeter Community Center, and there were five other artists nearby, also with their oh, studio. Wow.
1: Okay, so it's not just so, one central uh, location, then. It's, it's a bunch of different places. Yes. Oh, okay, okay.
0: That's the reason we are called about an artist network. It's called oh, okay. uh, Parcours d'artistes. So numerous artists are happening, opening their studios to the public during three weeks. Okay. Most of the time, they're visitors from the UK. Mm -hmm. But in 2019, after the brutal assault, I had quite a significant (coughs) amount of visitors from Czech Republic who actually were traveling to Devon, you know, Czech Republic, Poland. So they actually traveled and they visited a few studios. Mm -hmm. They also included the Stonehenge. So during one or two days, they visited a couple of studios. And then they headed on, let's say to Land's End or to the Plymouth. This year, it's going to be amazing because Tavistock is literally a stone throw away from Plymouth. It's mm-hmm. at the footsteps of Dartmoor. So people can include the Dartmoor prison. They can include the... Um, visit of uh, Conan Doyle's uh, history. they can do Westman's Wood, then they go they can go down uh, to Tavistock Marketplace. Then they can uh, stop by the wharf, the Tavistock Wharf, which is on the canal Road, which is right in Tavistock. And then they can head from Tavistock to Plymouth. They can take buses because there is a bus from Tavistock to Plymouth every 10 minutes. Mm. And then in Plymouth, they can do the barbican. Then they can do the aquarium. Uh, They could do the Mayflower steps. They can visit the Plymouth College of Art, the university. There is so much to do in Plymouth. And of course, the whole Plymouth Sound and the Plym and the Tamar Estuary, which is very uh, picturesque because it's like a ria. It's a bit like the equivalent of a fjord, a rhea. So it's mm. basically, you know, this kind of uh, valleys that um, end in the sea, you know, estuaries with kind of hilly. Surrounding rather than flat estuaries. So there is a potential for people to go to 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 explore. Mm-hmm. And then if they go further, then they can uh, go down to St. Austell which is famous for the St. Austell Brewery. Uh, uh, by the way, in St. Austell I've also exhibited my art. Mm-hmm. And then from St. Austell, they can um, then go to Truro, uh, which is the capital of Cornwall. And then they can include the Penzance, which is very known for the pirates. Uh, Falmouth, which is holding an international arts festival. So they can do quite a lot of things in the UK, not just being uh, stuck to see the Devon Open Studios. So they can, and September actually is a great time of the year because uh, it's a lot less busy. Kids are going to school, so a lot of uh, people with no children or with completely grown up kids can actually take vacations. Think about um, deals, prices are much cheaper in September than July, August, and it's just not overbooked like Mm -hmm. it is right now
1: that's understandable so this will be your fourth or fifth time at devon open studios
0: yes i've been doing the first time in 2011 Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so i had not no experience i just um, grabbed um, a bunch of 10 artists all together Uh, and then we did uh, it at the venue right next to the Exeter Community Center. So Mm -hmm. last year, it was a sort of return to the origin. Okay. So we did it. I did it also in uh, Mid-Devon in a place called Chumley, but that was very inconvenient uh, for the simple reason that It was in the middle of Devon, so very little access. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tavistock is fairly good because there is a very frequent bus service and it's literally 10 minutes away from Plymouth Centre.
1: Okay. What keeps coming back to Devon?
0: Uh, Devon, because actually it's the Devon Open Studios and that's because I live in Devon. Mm. So that's the main reason why it's something accessible and it's, you know, the aim is to do one exhibition, a proper exhibition in an area where I live. Okay. So this is a good opportunity to attract a bit of a local and mm-hmm. international Uh, a combination of local and international uh, visitors.
1: And I like how it focuses on local artists as well.
0: Uh, Yes, because, you know, when they visit me, I can also recommend uh, some other local artists around that they should uh, make a step. Like, for example, the Tamar Valley, which is Mm -hmm. also in Plymouth and Tavistock. That's a very good spot. There is also a separate event called Drawn to the Valley, which is a much shorter. It's only four days and it's a much smaller area because there are just people who live around the Tamer estuary. So it's a very restricted area. Mm. Well, the Devon Open Studios is actually uh, covering the entire county of Devon. That's pretty cool. It's, Very easy to make it happen in Devon, it would be a lot more difficult to do an Alberta open studios Mm -hmm. just because the province is so huge.
1: Yeah, and we don't have the population. So, I mean, we'd probably have a lot less artists than uh, somewhere like Europe. Yes. I mean, Europe as a whole, just because of the population. But
0: yeah, and also it's uh, people with public transport. Mm-hmm. Would have very difficult even for example, let's say Calgary to Edmonton
2: mm-hmm.
0: It's so difficult there i've I've already looked because I wanted to hop to Calgary as well for a few days, but when I saw the amount of effort to find the public transport, that was something I could not
1: do it yep it's it's pretty brutal Our cities are not designed to get around quickly.
0: Well, Europeans are. I think the UK uh, has uh, cities which are same with the uh, UK and Europe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Poland have cities which is so easy to get from, but not all cities. Large cities like, for example, Katowice, Krakow, you mm-hmm. can get from one city to okay. another very quickly and very mm-hmm. easily. It's amazing! It's amazing the oldest uh, people that are passing here,
1: uh, and they give us spice. You see. Mm -hmm. And earlier, uh, I don't think we were were recording at this time, but you had some acquaintances that actually walked by uh, as we were chatting.
0: Yes, uh, they were um, sort of um, customers regular customers Mm. at the co-op shop where i work Mm -hmm. and some of them also being part of the cleaning team i am working on the checkouts and on the delivery so they're completely different uh, disciplines and different areas
1: Mm -hmm. so with uh with your with your day job are you just doing this kind of on the side to stay busy are you just because you enjoy it
0: uh, yes, that's exactly. Okay. This. That's really I enjoy cool. I enjoy having a day job actually mm-hmm. because uh, it keeps me connected. Uh, if I was just doing my art, mm-hmm. I would be completely disconnected. Um, the thing is, I don't know any artist who just do the art. And it's also a, a great way to have my time organized Mm -hmm. You know, to have a sort of structure, a solid structure in my time. If I was just only to do some drawing, I would probably waste a lot more time.
1: So it's almost like putting a little bit more stress on yourself makes you a little bit more regimented.
0: Uh, Yes, putting a little bit of stress, but really a little bit of stress. Mm -hmm. Because when you have too much stress, that's bad. Definitely. If you have not enough stress or no stress, then uh, you just seem that you've got unlimited time on your hands and you can get caught up.
1: Oh yeah. And then you don't really accomplish anything. Yeah. Looking back at when you started your logos, your first logo, at least recorded, was for the band Disgrace. Correct. Now, looking back at 30 years of of artwork, did you ever think that this was going to be possible?
0: Um, It was a very different approach. When I did the disgrace logo, uh, the fact it was a band with an international connotation. So a band with an international connection. Mm. Uh, By that time, the only way to connect was uh, using uh, the post office. Mm And using the um, stamps. And the only way to communicate was to have physical releases. There was no digital. So you would never, unless you go to somebody's you know, and you listen and you copy tapes. There was Mm -hmm. the whole tape trading. Now, you discover a band, you just Google their name, and you find them. This is how easy it has become. Back in the time, the only way to discover fanzines and uh, underground uh, demo bands and good labels was to go to underground gigs like, let's say, Morbid Angel, for example, Mm -hmm. and uh, Napalm Death in 89 or uh, Obituary. Then you could meet a lot of people from different bands. Uh, That was also the first times when you had stores, you started having stores with merchandise. You can buy a lot of underground stuff that you wouldn't find in record store.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you had lots of people selling fanzines at concerts. So it was an amazing opportunity. And meet people, introduce um the underground was only through writing and through alternative press like fanzines there was nothing uh like uh, you know um tv broadcast there was that
1: that was not existing your your business must have exploded with the onset of the internet it
0: certainly has it also helped me to become a lot more selective Mm -hmm.
2: uh,
0: to start putting proper prices but that was very gradual because the first uh, opportunity for me to start putting my work online was in 2004 Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I would say 2003-2004 using MySpace. MySpace, that was a platform which now has been deserted like a ship being deserted. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say a sinking ship deserted by rats. So rats left the sinking ship. People start in 2010. People started leaving MySpace like rats started leaving a sinking ship.
1: Mm -hmm. It seems like there are just a few people left on MySpace.
0: Yeah, I have an account, but I never go there.
1: I wonder if I still have an account, but that was like, (laughs) that was nearly 15 years ago. That's crazy.
0: Uh, I still do have an account. It's still there. I'm going there from time to time. But most of the messages I got there are general messages, Mm -hmm. like, you know, this kind of uh, circulars, Mm -hmm. which I'm not interested in.
1: Yeah, fair enough. When did you choose to do, uh, like, logos for a career? I guess, when did you make the big plunge and say, this is what I'm going to be doing full-time? I think
0: the big plunge was in 2000. I was still doing logos all the time, but mm-hmm. I think 2004, when my space, and I started getting a lot of following, was actually the time to really start growing. But this is not something I did in from one day to another. Mm-hmm. This is something I started to grow very uh, progressively. But definitely the first trigger was Emperor in 1991.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I got a massive return, Emperor released in the Nightside side and my name was there. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first point of call. Then uh, in the 2000s, there was a few other points, of course, when I opened my space. So started charging properly for a logo. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Originally started from $50 when I just as an introduction, then getting gradually up. And I think now the minimum would be $200. That's really the
1: bare bowl. For Emperor, did they end up reaching out to you or did you reach out to them?
0: I actually reached out to them Okay. Uh, through networking. Because um, I was at that time writing for a fanzine called Septicore. Mm-hmm. And Thierry was the main guy. And I was helping Thierry with his mail. With his uh, post, because he was a little bit struggling, lacking of organization and procrastination. Mm-hmm. So I chose to help him with the post. And um, I was in touch with a guy called Thomas Hogan, or Samut, And at that time, he was playing in a... He was making a fanzine called Z-A-S-T, Zast. And he was also playing in a death metal band called Embryonic. Which was, uh, even before Embryonic, he was in a thrash metal band called Xeresia.
3: Hmm.
0: And then Embryonic in 1990. I have actually their demo, Land of the Lost Souls, which is death metal, a bit in the vein of Carcass, but... With a very strong Dark Throne smell.
2: Hmm.
0: With a very Dark Throne mayhem smell. Typical Norwegian black metal sound. But still death metal. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Really loved that demo, Land of the Lost Souls. Kind of, uh, I would say, old school death metal with uh, some grindcore bits. Just think Carcass gone darker. Uh, That was the time. And in one of his letters he mentioned that he was about to start a new band called Emperor. And that's actually when I just offered a logo. I surprised him. And it got adapted. So it was a, a gift.
1: And that's still one of your most famous ones to date.
0: Correct. Because the reason why It's after 30 years and the aim back in 1991 is to create a logo, which is readable, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: instantly recognizable, uh, different than other unique and memorable. And that logo in all the points has hit the spot because that logo was so memorable. It's so easy to remember. It's so unique. It was completely running away from all the black metal logos that were existing. Just think about Mayhem or think about uh, Dark Throne
3: mm-hmm.
0: or think about all these logos that, like Bessarabian that are completely unreadable and they look like just a pile of branches.
1: Have you noticed a change in trends over the years in the way logos look? Like you mentioned, uh, that back then sometimes they were unreadable, but you wanted uh, back then kind of the, the focus was to have something legible, to have something yeah. unique. How has that changed over time?
0: I think that uh, a good logo, in order to be rememberable, to be unique, must be unique.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It needs to be, um, it needs to be easily readable. Otherwise, people will not remember it. Uh, it needs to stand out so have you heard the expression of Brunel simplicity is the ultimate sophistication
1: I haven't heard that, but I can see how how it can relate to logos I mean some some of them look so complicated so busy that it kind of detracts from I think what yeah. the artist is trying to put forward
0: yep yeah. and actually a good logo needs to be. Readable, needs to be unique, needs to have something that really makes it stand out. And also, it needs to be memorable. So three things, instantly recognizable. You look at it in a split second, bang, it just gets stuck in your head. It's like a song. You hear it for the first time, and it will just never leave you. Example of a super catchy song. Have you heard uh the band Saint
1: Moto? Not off the top of my head, but Saint I might know some Motel. of their songs.
0: Saint Moto. Uh Keeping Up. Ooh! <sighs> or uh, catchy. Um let's take an example of Celtic Frost, Circle of the Tyrants. Why that song is so catchy? Think about um, Mumford and Sons, I Will Be Waiting For You. Well, Mm -hmm. I know it's not a metal song, but it's a song (laughs) I'm totally crazy about. I love that band, Mumford and Sons. I will be, I will be waiting for you. This is so beautiful. Power and beauty. Or think King Diamond. The Fatal Portrait, or sing Iron Maiden 666, Number of the Beast, or Motorhead Ace of Spades, why the songs are classics, or Slayer, Rain in Blood, or uh, The Gap Band. Hey, oh, your hey, oh, your head. Hey, ooh, up, your head. <laughs> why I'm crazy about this. You see, the thing is, you can't be just metal. You need to think out of the box. You need to look at all the time. To especially now, as I'm growing, I -hmm. keep looking at what's going on in other genres. Think about Leonard Skinner, Mm -hmm. which is a southern rock band, or Johnny Cash. You hold sixty tons, and what you get? Think about all this, and you, you compare them, and that makes you think out of the box. Because if you were just plunged into one style of music, uh, it would have turned you blind.
1: It's kind of like with anything else. If you just open your mind a little bit, seek out different perspectives or answers, yes, you're going to learn a lot more and probably enjoy your life a lot more.
0: Yeah, and actually, the more you listen to diverse things, mm-hmm. the more you enjoy what you listen.
1: Well, and then you can start to hear... Um, then you can start to hear when when the bands bring in different different inspirations from different genres and you can you can hear those blurred boundaries a bit better
0: example exodus they brought some beats of uh the beach boys for example in one of their riffs well simple they're from uh, they're from uh, california san francisco mm-hmm. bay area and there's lots of this uh, surf and um yeah it's kind of surf rock bands Bay Area, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. So, you know, diversity, Uh, never stop learning Mm -hmm. because life never stops bringing you new things. Life never stopped teaching.
1: It's when you start to close your eyes to that, that it's a detriment to, to you, your progress and probably your overall happiness too correct like you touched on earlier if you just did your art you would be closed off to the world so i think if people just stay on one track they're not doing themselves any service exactly that's also the reason why i
0: uh, immediately when the war in ukraine started i got re- i reached out for relatives and friends i have there and i also started to post very actively from the Mm -hmm. day one, that I stand for Ukraine and that uh, my last post on TikTok are also saying that Russia is a terrorist nation run by a terrorist government. And I've got all the evidence. I know it's politics, but you can't close off from politics.
1: No, I think that's part of the problem is so many people have closed off from politics and they're not willing to speak about it.
0: Yeah and that's a problem they turn a blind eye and they are making things worse
1: that's exactly it when you don't confront what's in front of you like you're not going to stop you it f-
0: do you follow me on instagram and tiktok
1: not on tiktok i've uh, i don't have a tiktok but i do follow you on instagram
0: because uh, there's quite a few tiktok posts you know when uh, tiktok arrived mhm it literally took the world by storm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because it's amazing how much, how many followers, you know, when I, I started gaining. The first video on TikTok was explaining how I do my art. And I had maybe 10, 20 likes, you know, how I do a logo. Mm-hmm. But it's when I started making statement that Russia is a terrorist state, run by a terrorist government, I got already nine thousand likes. Oh wow! So nine thousand. Mm-hmm. And I've reached to a lot of people. I've made some posts in English, but I've also made one in Ukrainian and one in Polish. Mm-hmm. dujo dujo pohano kraj which means it's very bad that uh, the war in Ukraine is continuing and that Putin is a terrorist and that he's making of Russia a terrorist state.
1: And so you're doing a lot of work um, to support Ukrainian refugees yes. and the the effort to combat the invasion. So what exactly are you doing and how can people support you?
0: First, I am creating a lot of themed work,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I've also uh, came up with contacting bands and offering them logos Uh, for a donation. So because I have Ukrainian relatives, I just said, if I do your logo, Mm -hmm. if you can just make a donation to my relatives in Ukraine who are trapped in the war, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: whatever you think it's good, I will be more than happy. And uh, my relative Olena uh, she got already donations from um, different bands. About 1,000 hryvnia, 1,000 hryvnia, which is about 30 euros, 30 dollars. Mm-hmm. Roughly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the salary of someone in Ukraine is about... 6000 hryvnia which is about 200 US dollars 200 euros
2: mm-hmm.
0: and prices are very high in Ukraine for their salary so they have a very low low purchasing power that's been verified and a lot of Ukrainians before the war even like Ten years ago, they started working in Poland because they could get a salary four times than what they could get in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And thanks to that, they could absorb a lot of refugees, their families and their friends. So they could accommodate uh, up to three times more people than the capacity of their flat because they were close friends or relatives. hmm so that was a very good, uh, it's Poland, is which is my country of origin, mm-hmm. could actually absorb that amount of refugees.
1: Interesting. That must be pretty stressful for you to have a uh, family in Ukraine. I mean, yes. of course, it's more stressful for the people living in Ukraine, but how does that feel to to not have any control?
0: That makes me feel just sometimes go mad and uh, since the war in Ukraine I had very few hours of sleep mm-hmm. but now since uh, two of them are in Poland I feel already more relieved oh good but they're talking all the time we would like to go back home
1: Well, and that makes sense and too. I
0: told and I told them uh, yes but it's not safe to do it now
1: Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a
0: bit of a challenge
1: I can't imagine what it would be like To be forced out of my home Forced out of my own country
0: Yeah So that's what happened They've been forced out of their own countries uh, I actually found that Donald Trump and Putin Were kind of similar tyrants um, Donald Trump would be Capable of doing really bad things but he's a bit of an elephant in a china shop. So usually, <laughs> I agree with
1: that for sure.
0: Usually, he's gonna make a lot of noise. Uh, while Putin is silent, and that is making him a lot more dangerous.
1: Well, there's a lot less posturing with Putin. I mean, like Putin said,
0: doesn't poster. He doesn't warn. No, he, he doesn't
1: tell anybody. He just does it.
0: Uh, Have you heard about an expression, don't plan things loud out. Smart people never um, announce their plans. You know, when I'm working on large commissions, Mm -hmm. I'm not telling anything to anyone. I'm just doing them. Also, I'm not publishing the logos anywhere.
1: And how do you think that works to your benefit? Mm, to my benefit
0: is the surprise is mm, I didn't expect you're going to you you have done that logo once they make it loud like it was the case for rihanna now when something goes loud like that people are um not as attentive as they were you know when i did the rihanna logo that caused a massive stir. Now, when I did the Mandy logo uh, for the movie, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: it only caused a stir in a specific niche. And same when I did the logo of Lord of Chaos. That's the movie uh, with Jonas Ackerlund, that film, unfortunately, was a very poor quality film and it was uh, slammed. Generally, it has been slammed by all the metal communities around just because it was a poorly executed Hollywood movie Mm. with very poor actors and it was focused on one person.
1: Do you think that part of the problem with announcing your plan is uh like the hype surrounding it? I think people get too excited maybe about what yeah, is to come yeah, yeah. and then maybe they're they're not as excited when things come out or they've been exposed to it so long that it's no longer a surprise.
0: Uh I think the best way is never plan anything. Mm-hmm. I've learned it the soft way. Because then the excitement, you know, I just feel very uncomfortable to have these people over excited. Mm. I don't like making people because when they excited first, they will tend to lose their excitement. Yeah, exactly. It's much better to surprise them. It's same with dates ahead.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I had dates. I was very, very excited while we were chatting. And once it was going along, uh, we were both losing our interest. Have you ever heard that expression? Uh, Save the high spirits for when you arrive.
1: I've heard similar expressions, but yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like getting your hopes up.
0: It's Uh, save up your high spirits for when you arrived. It's something I've seen at airports when uh, people get so excited uh, at the check-in and then uh, they get denied boarding just for very stupid reasons. I've never mm-hmm. been denied boarding on a flight. I had flights being cancelled.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I had flights being overbooked. And I had uh, flights... Uh, being delayed. Yes. But I never missed a flight for my fault. Uh Save the high spirits for Mm -hmm. when you arrive.
1: And do you have that mentality when it comes to travel, when it comes to uh, your business as well, like just kind of everything in general?
0: Uh, Yes. I just like to keep it very reserved and calm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um it's for example you're approaching a place and you know it's going to be breathtaking mm-hmm. you just wait until you arrive to the place to start taking photographs Yeah,
1: you and don't you don't to take too many photos that that's actually one thing I've noticed quite a bit when I travel is uh, people taking pictures of absolutely everything and documenting their entire trip but for me, it almost seems better to, well, it does seem better to live in the moment and just enjoy where you are. Enjoy yes. the ride.
0: Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the flight. Enjoy mm-hmm. uh, the time. However, it's good to take a couple of pictures.
1: Mm-hmm. Just for memories. Not too sake. many. Just
0: yeah. a couple. Just to have memories. Not to document everything. But if you see something very unique. mm mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, there's been a sighting of an American robin here in Devon, Mm -hmm. which is a non-usual bird. Then I've taken a couple of photos to document the sighting. Mm -hmm. That I'm not saying bulky pies.
1: (laughs) Where do you like traveling the most?
0: Um, I do like uh, East European countries. Uh, Greece, uh, Poland, uh, Ukraine, because, you know, it's also the place of my roots, Um, Mm -hmm. France, um, Portugal, Spain, uh, hopefully South America. Mm -hmm. So quite a lot of different destinations. Japan, I've been exhibiting there.
1: Mm -hmm. What was your first exhibition like?
0: uh, The first exhibition... Was actually uh, an exhibition I did in California, and it was a very impromptu exhibition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a bit of an excitement. That was in two thousand seven. Okay. Uh, California and Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very amateur, you know, very, you know, things that I slapped on the wall with uh, blue tack. Uh, But now, the real professional exhibition where my work was properly presented was in 2011, actually, at the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis. That was part of an adventure called the graphic design now in production.
1: And so overall, do you enjoy the exhibitions or do you prefer more commission type work? I do like
0: large exhibitions like the one I did now in Paris where my Mm -hmm. work is properly presented. Um, In the sense that an exhibition is an amazing opportunity in a high profile venue like the Walker Art Center or like in the Lafayette Mm -hmm. Art Fair, you know, in a very central location to attract potential visitors. Mm -hmm. And some visitors, which are potential to commission you for some artwork. So it's important that an exhibition needs to be well presented. Professional mm-hmm. artworks displayed in a frame or uh, on a consistent, solid support.
1: Yeah, a lot of it's Do based you on see appearance
0: what and... I mean.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, if you have something uh, like we were talking yesterday, if you show up at a venue, um like the one you were at in Edmonton where you have a lot of undesirable people or it's in a really bad location, uh, you're not going to have the same traffic and you're not going to have the same type of customer. Yes. If you do something a bit more polished in a better area, um, Yep. like say in my city, there's there's there are definite places you would like to have like an art exhibition, but there are places you yep. would stay away from just because it, it doesn't make sense. So I think you have to to complement the exhibition with with the surrounding area.
0: Yeah, I think I would definitely go for an exhibition in a central area Mm -hmm. where you've got uh, people who definitely like uh, art. Uh, An exhibition which is in a location that is very easy to find and easy to reach. Um... Desirable locations is essential.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: It needs to be well situated. And it also needs to attract both local and uh, away people, even international. Mm -hmm. It's a location that the name, the situation, let's say the Tavistock Wharf in Devon, Let's say the Canada House in Edmonton, or let's say the Pearl District in uh, Portland, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: or let's say Burnside East. Um, Burnside East in Portland are examples of desirable areas with desirable people. Mm -hmm. Even people who live in residential area, but definitely not places where you've got all the drug addicts uh, gathering.
1: It's important to draw the right type of person. Um, I used to know somebody years ago that wanted to become a rapper. And are you familiar with the Calgary Stampede? With? Uh, The Calgary Stampede. So it's a a 10-day festival that we have in, uh, not festival, I guess, like a... I guess you could compare it to like a carnival almost. Um, Anyways, it's like an outdoor show with a rodeo and it has a lot of uh, amusement park rides and stuff like that. So, but it's country um, themed. So people dress up like cowboys. They have their cowboy hats, their boots, their jeans, uh, their jean skirts, that kind of stuff. Now, this friend, or not really a friend, this acquaintance of mine who wanted to become a rapper tried to sell his rap CDs at a country celebration so it didn't make much sense and I guess that's no. where I was going with it. You have to choose your you have to choose your timing and you have to cho- choose your location properly. Correct.
0: And also you need to choose uh the most important is to find a location where this kind of people that you want to attract
3: mm-hmm.
0: are readily available. Exactly. So for example for me doing an art exhibition at a country stampede, the Calgary Stampede, um, I wouldn't go to exhibit my work unless I would associate myself with someone who does country art, is a big fan of my work, and he could basically share mm-hmm. a stall. Or stand.
1: Yeah, that would make way more sense. And that's, that's kind of what I told uh, him, too. <laughs> I said that you're probably not going to sell a lot in the parking lot of the Stampede, but he decided to try anyways and, I mean, good for him. I would have chose something no. a little bit different.
0: No, uh, for my art, I would first uh, if I would exhibit, I would make a sort of out call mm-hmm. for venue. At the moment today, I'm filling now uh, a position, an entry, to be part of a book, which will be called the Dutch Constanars, mm-hmm. and I have uh, just want to be in a book. That's mm-hmm. not really, um, you know, like a, a compilation book with two of my art, mm-hmm. which are going to be on pages, and it's uh, the Netherlands national book of Mm -hmm. artists so with mostly dutch artists it's worth it
1: and speaking of books um you've come out with a couple of your own with uh there was archaic modernism and then the lord of the logos so how does it feel to look at a book and know that that was all of your work in one spot
0: uh i think it's an amazing thing the lord of the logos book Mm -hmm. is completely sold out and there is no repressed No reprint, no rerun at all Mm -hmm. for the moment. Uh, Archaic Modernism, I have now bought from the publisher a large bulk of books because I would like to have them uh, for an art exhibition,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. for a few art exhibitions, especially the Plymouth one. Mm -hmm. to be able to sell signed copies on site. The book sells slowly, but quite well. And I've learned the strategy that once the book is going to be sold out, and knowing that archaic modernism is just limited to 1,000 copies, I could actually make some extra money Once the book will be completely out of print. Mm -hmm. So about, imagine if I buy 300 copies of the book. And once the book is completely out of print and people will be dying to get that book. That's going to be the best opportunity Mm -hmm. to sell.
1: Well, and you're also uh, offering signed versions of it too, which is really, really cool because someone like yes. me who can't get over to um, like Devin, then that gives me an opportunity to purchase something, but also have that authenticity, I guess, and that that uh, yes. individuality with your signature.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is to have the book, not being able to sell it by post, mm-hmm. but to have the book available with me. Mm-hmm. So always, carry a few copies of the book with me
1: well, be prepared That's on my idea. person
0: yeah to carry the book on my person mm-hmm. so i'm going to a gig oh do you have a lord do you have the book lord of logos mm. lord of the logos is sold out but i have archaic modernism oh yes okay yes signed sold done
1: how did you choose the artwork for the the cover
0: i think the publisher oh, okay alex milazzo mm-hmm. the publisher has made the choice. That was his choice. I relied on his strategy.
1: Okay. So you just kind of gave I would have chosen a
0: completely different cover. Okay. I would have chosen a much milder cover. Like I would say, for example, A Forest in the Mist. Mm. I don't A Misty Forest.
1: Sorry? I said, I don't know. I love the cover.
0: The cover is more appealing to a metal horror movie um type of audience definitely but it doesn't appeal to every audience it's too niche
1: yeah it's it's something that some people would not want to have lying around and lord of the logos is the exact opposite it's literally just the font and that's something you can have anywhere like for me as you can see kind of the display in the background some things are turned sideways to kind of showcase the artwork a little bit more That's what I would do with Archaic Modernism.
0: Yeah, but that was my idea, just to Mm -hmm. have the logo, Archaic Modernism, Mm -hmm. on a beautiful black cover. But my publisher didn't think the same.
1: Do you think it draws more attention because it is so um, in your face?
0: I mean, Lord of the Logos is a lot more desirable as a book simply because it's uh, more simple, the simplicity. Again, the simplicity Mm -hmm. uh, is you've got, it's just a lot of the logos. You've just got that written in gold on a black hardback. Mm -hmm. And that makes it unique. It was also printed by Uh, the German company Gestalten, which is unfortunately is gone in administration. Mm -hmm. And the book is a sort of eponym, While Archaic Modernism is a book with more text, more content.
1: Mm. So then Archaic Modernism, would it it have like kind of descriptions of the logos and um, more information? A lot of story, a lot of
0: background story.
1: Cool. I like that, actually. Uh,
0: the great thing is Archaic Modernism um, has been released by Heavy Music Artwork, which is mm-hmm. a good publisher. Mm-hmm. They release lots of stuff. But I feel like the focus has not been quite there. Mm. Because they've released a lot of other people, like Maxim Takardi.
2: Okay.
3: Think
0: about a, a label like Nuclear Blast Records. Mm-hmm. They're going to focus on best-selling bands like, I would say, Immortal
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Rotting Christ are going to be sort of side bands.
1: And that's just because they have Example. so many people on the bill, right? They kind of have to focus on on the bigger bands. Yeah. So oh, so they do do been, a lot of different publications. Okay, okay.
0: The great thing, having the book on um, heavy music artworks, mm-hmm. because it's a reputable label it's a label with a proper reputation mm-hmm. you know it's like oh, cool let's say a band uh, let's say infernal majesty signed on roadrunner yep metal blade
1: interesting all right
0: this There's is a little bit the here same
1: he... hmm. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt
0: uh, back in the 80s mm-hmm. a lot of bands were on metal blade roadrunner I think the two labels were associated together. Or another good label is New Renaissance Records.
1: New Renaissance.
0: That's our that good labels. I remember they were releasing some really great stuff.
1: How do you feel that's kind of that kind of stuff has changed over time?
0: Uh, yes, because these days, uh, bands they release their stuff online,
3: mm-hmm.
0: on digital format. Uh, the advantage of a digital format is you can literally carry it anywhere because it's just a digital occupying some gigabytes or megabytes in your device. Or you can streamline it on YouTube. When you travel a lot, like it's me. Well, CDs, yeah, you can carry a few CDs uh, in your backpack, Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit annoying.
1: (laughs) And that's not even to say like carrying vinyl around would be next to impossible.
0: Vinyl? How could I carry vinyl and a vinyl player or a record player? Pretty good setup. (laughs) So. It's very, um, uh, very um, uncouth. Mm. <laughs> to, it's very un, unconventional.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, now when you travel and you want to listen to different bands, you just uh, Google them or you just uh, stream them on on iTunes or mm-hmm. Spotify. So you basically have it all covered. Example, you're looking for a band from Ukraine called Haidamaki or Tik, and you want to share them with someone, then it's super easy because you just make sure you've got uh, internet connection, Wi-Fi and you find it.
1: Mm -hmm. There's there's an attitude um, in the metal community that the market is oversaturated with a lot of different bands that kind of sound the same or they have same imagery. How yep. do you feel about, or is there a similar outlook on like digital art or uh, or logo artists? Even more. Okay. I actually find even more.
0: I find so many bands it's just because there is less control on the digital mm-hmm. market. So many bands. Now there, I got seven bands, two of them I remember their name and they want a logo identical to a certain existing logo or they are bands who got exactly the same appearance as another band Mm -hmm. which makes it even more annoying because you will not find anything uh, in real you will find them only on the digital world.
1: Well it's not unique either they're basically copying other people and then if they're asking you to do the logo, you're not being inspired at all.
0: Example of bands like uh, um, Buers Rouquettes, which is from South America. Mm-hmm. And they keep bugging me uh, that they want the logo for free and they will pay me after they've done digital sales. But this kind of uh, bands, they they said they've got an album to release and they're going to make digital sales. That are the kind of bands that will never be noticed.
1: Yeah, you cannot bank on what you think might happen. You have to have a solid or, plan in place. You have to do the hard work and you have to show... You have to act instead of say.
0: You've got bands like, for example, King of the Bottomless Pit, another South American band. Mm-hmm. I think the names are totally uninspiring. The names think... is something I heard a thousand times before.
1: I agree. There's a lot of a lot of names that... Um... They kind of seem familiar or similar, I guess. Uh,
0: you know, this kind of bands with ridiculously long names, like King of the Bottomless Pit, very long and very lame. And they keep bugging me three emails. Um, Is there any chance you could do the logo for free? And I tell them, No, I'm not interested. And they said, Really? We love what we do. We're passionate about. Yeah, but I just said that. Thousands of people. I'm receiving hundreds of messages like this every day.
1: Well, when you were just starting out and you were passionate about it, you were offering your work for free. It's not like you were asking people to sign you up and then pay you. You were doing the hard work because you were the one starting out.
0: Yeah, but there is some bands that actually they sent me some links Mm -hmm. and I really like it. But a, a name with viewers, Ruket... Mm-hmm. which I don't know what it means or a name with King, like King of the bottomless pit that doesn't inspire me any. It's basically like a woman goes on a date with a guy mm-hmm. and basically she doesn't feel any vibe. She's mm-hmm. basically uh, going on that date and she's not interested because the guy is uh, talking him, is talking to her during the holiday, about things she doesn't care about.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So for example, the guy uh, starts talks, uh, talks about football, about his best football player, uh, about the fastest cars he's uh, been driving, about all the competitions he's been boasting about, uh, about him being the Stig. Do you know the Stig?
1: Of course, Top Gun. Not Top yes. Gun, Top Gear, Jesus.
0: <laughs> top, top Gear. So, a guy who was pretending to be the Stig.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. And,
0: oh, yes, Top Gear, yes. I'm on Top Gear, I'm racing this. Ah, Come on. The gasoline uh, boost at the petrol head. Wasn't, ah, this is great. Wasn't. My gasoline, high octane uh, fueled uh, petrol head um, talking me some fibbies. That was the woman was wondering. <gasps> oh no, I have a, a seven bedroom converted mill in Surrey. I've got a lavish residence in uh, London and I've got uh, two houses in Jersey. You know, this kind of thing is boasted. And the lady, the, the poor lady, She just said, oh, my God, I don't need any of this. Mm -hmm. Why are you trying to impress me? All I just want is a peaceful and simple relationship. Why are you assuming that I love all these fast cars and all these residents? All I just need is just a little house in a peaceful surrounding. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit the same.
1: Well, I mean if you're not inspired by the work you're being asked to do, you're not going to put in your effort or the same amount well, of effort, at least
0: basically the two, band, the two bands, Buers, Ruket, which I have no idea if even the name is correctly spelled. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes you've got bands with a misspelled name with a name that doesn't uh, mean anything uh, or, like a band with a bizarre uh, name called uh, Symphony Draconis,
3: mm-hmm.
0: or uh, a band uh, called uh, Primitive Angel Gospoden, so the name in two different languages, or a name like uh, Munekita Gubermaiden. That doesn't inspire me.
1: Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Totally. I'm wondering, what are the things that do inspire you?
0: Uh, First is a name with a deep concept that Mm. they're able to explain. Sometimes, oh, let's go to the simple thing. At Castle Party, Mm -hmm. there was a gothic French band with a simple name. Very simple, very catchy, and Mm -hmm. a very simple logo but very easy called Je T'aime. It's a French band. Just the simple name. And they mm-hmm. were so effective. And I would just said, oh, I wish I could do your logo. Uh, French guys, Je T'aime. Mm-hmm. Very simple. You know, something that inspires me. Giro Nation Metal. Yes, that's a very cool name. And uh, at the moment, I have ideas, but I might need a little bit more space and time.
1: Oh yeah, take as much time as you need. I appreciate you helping me out with this.
0: I want to do something, one logo which is clearly futuristic. One logo which is very historical and ancient. Uh, One logo which is actually very um, Art Nouveau. hmm one logo, which is very art deco. One logo, which is very death brutal death grind. Uh, one logo, which is very much Arabic calligraphy. One logo, which is very calligraphy. So I want to take complete freedom with the, fo- the following logos. You have it. Are you okay with that I take complete 100%. freedom?
1: Oh yeah. That's my favorite thing. Like um I have a lot of tattoos and my artist is is quite talented, I would say. So every time I've gone into him, I just give him like a concept and I let him go whichever direction he'd like with it. And I've never turned away any of his artwork because he just he puts enough time and effort into it, but it's also that source of inspiration and the creative freedom that I really enjoy. And I'm not a creative person, so when 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 I have an artist that I'm working with, it doesn't matter yeah, in, I, in what capacity. It's just amazing.
0: Yeah, I have artists who, I mean, um, clients. A lot of them, they, they said we want this logo to be exactly like this mm. example.
1: That means you pigeonhole people, and then you're not you're not getting the best work possible. You have to allow for that that movement.
0: And actually, I find that. Uh, we want something um, that looks like this. And usually these people who pigeonhole me, they don't get the... And they tend to move to another artist.
1: Yeah, and fair enough. It's, it's kind of the same as if you walk into a tattoo shop and you just pick an image on the wall. And you say, that's what I want. It's like, okay, uh, well, it's then breaking. go to somebody... Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's basically just the same as somebody picking a design off the wall saying this is what I'm going to do. It's like, that's fine, but it's not good.
0: Or people, I sent them a lot of sketches, mm-hmm. and they said all the sketches are very interesting, but none of them are
1: actually uh, hitting the spot. Hmm. That's annoying, because then then you know that they only want one thing. Then you know? Oh, sorry, I think it might be freezing. Uh, connection is getting yeah. unstable there we go well because that's almost the timing it um, looks connection getting unstable for some reason that's really weird <laughs> after the whole podcast well at least is, that's good. do you hear me well i can definitely hear you can you hear me
0: uh your voice is distorted
1: well this might be a good but time to wrap it up as long as do
0: you hear me i can well yes. yep it's breaking your voice is breaking
1: okay well, Christoph, I think this is a good place to stop for today. I have to get going to work here shortly. So, um, thank you again for joining me. I appreciate this yes. entire chat, and hopefully, we can talk again in the future.
0: Uh, yes, we could uh, have some add ons.
1: Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.